Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Welcome to the Friday, September 29th edition of America's Workforce radio show and podcast. Let me start off by saying today's show is somewhat different than the shows we do Monday through Friday, and that's because our producer, BMA Media, decided it's about time to get real serious. I mean, real serious about mental health. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and if you've been listening over the past several weeks, you heard various guests, experts in this field, talking about what they're doing with unions or their own union in an effort to have a conversation about this topic. Why is suicide four to five times more prevalent in the trades when compared to the general population? What can be done about this? How do we approach one who has thoughts of taking his or her life? Well, that's a conversation nobody wants to have, but there can be a time that that will happen, and you need to be prepared. You know, we're all concerned about our health. If you have chest pains, chances are you're going to go to the ER because you might be experiencing a heart attack. Stumble, fall, break an arm or leg, same thing. You know what? Mental health is different. That's why we have taken a deep dive into this subject. And if you go to awfpodcast.com, you'll hear all the people we talked to this month. Today, we are highlighting the takeaways of all those discussions, the personal stories of addiction, recovery, what they're doing to make a difference in keeping our brothers and sisters alive. That's what we want. Our first guest on this subject was Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas, a person who has become very well regarded in suicide prevention. It all began when her brother decided to end his life almost 20 years ago. So, well, I'm a psychologist by training, and I had been in the field of mental health uh, quite a long time. Um, my before and after moment happened when my brother died by suicide on December 7th, 2004. He was a, a business leader, a father of two. I know by all external counts, people saw success and magic, and he was athletic, and he also fought a lot of really uh, crushing depression behind the scenes that no one really saw, um, a depression that ultimately proved to be fatal. And the last time we spoke, um, we knew he was in trouble. Uh, he had had a really rough number of months. He had suffered some business losses. He had you know, been estranged from the family. But he came back to us, and um, the last time we saw each other, he really told me that what was really driving his hopelessness was that the world was not accepting of him and uh, of living with a mental health condition. And he called it his madness. Um, and so, you know, my my charge, my calling, if you will, after his death was to make sure that other people, especially other men who might be falling through the cracks, who are, might be suffering in silence, know that there are there are pathways through this. There are other people that have gone through similar things. There are things that can help you through your pain and to really try to to eliminate the bias and the prejudice and the discrimination that our, our, our workplaces in particular have about people who are living with mental health 
issues or who are living with suicidal thoughts. Chris Carlo is with the Sheet Metal Occupational Health Institute. He talked about his battle with addiction, relapsing, and how he's recovering in the battle that never ends. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I've been in recovery for most of my adult life. Um, you know, it's one of those things that um, you, you, you deny it. You have, uh, um, you know, you, you, you just make your life painful. And um, I, I had a lot of people that came uh, and helped me when I was younger. Um, I ended up relapsing in the summer of 2001. So I'm actually coming up on a little bit later this month. I'll be 20 years back in the program. And, um, and, and, and so, so yeah, I mean, I, it's pretty personal uh, to me. And when I have the opportunity, and I've been finding that a lot more lately as I put myself out there to help people that are in the place or similar places to where I was, um, I try to be that person that, uh, that helped me so many years ago. And then there's Tom Vitello. Tom is with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. He talks about his own battles with mental health and addiction. His journey through recovery led him to work with Teamsters Care. And boy, did he get a wake-up call on day one with the program. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, I, I had my own struggles with, um, uh, at, at first, um, you know, it was it was mental health issues that developed into, uh, it was actually underlying substance use disorder, but it felt like mental health issues to me. Um, so eventually, just to get to the point, you know, I got, I ended up uh, getting sober in 2009 uh, with the help of this very program that I now work for. Um, I was referred to um, a gentleman, another coworker, Larry Libby, who had showed up to my house and um, just picked me up and drove me to treatment. Um, I stayed sober, and over the over the course of all five, six, seven, eight years, I, I became an advocate within the workplace at UPS. I started in 1997 as a part-timer. Then uh, in 2000, I became a driver. Um, so there was a period of time while I was working trying to combat my, my, um, my issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 2009, I, I got sober, and then I became a shop steward. Uh, at the time, President, General President uh, of our t- great Teamsters Union, Sean O'Brien, was my business agent, and he's seen the growth um, in the in the benefit of recovery and in, in you know working on this stuff as yeah. an individual. And, and he just in 2018 he asked me to come aboard and help the members in a full time capacity. Um, and that's that's what I've been doing ever since. And, and actually, the first day, my first day on the job, April, first hour, April 2nd, 2018, the first call that I answered was was a gentleman, a, one of our members who was, who was at, he was a part-timer at UPS. Uh, he had, he was working a day job, and he called in. I answered the phone, and he said he was, Gonna, gonna, thinking about committing suicide, um, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought this was just a test that my coworkers were putting me out on, like a training or something. Yeah. And um, um, immediately, 
this this whole whole issue became very real, and I I, I understood the severity of of what uh, people are going through, uh, what union members go through on a daily basis, the struggle, um, and and from there it it just it just took off, and I knew I had to, uh, you know, throw myself into proper training and education to be able to better serve the members, um, and and that's that's what it took for me. Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas, Chris Carlo, Tom Vertello, just a couple of people we featured here on America's Workforce. More to come as we wrap up Suicide Prevention Month right here on America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The the United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are Steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate it those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. You're listening to a special edition of America's Workforce today. All month, we've been featuring various guests on suicide prevention, experts in their field. We're going to start off this segment with Connor Tobin. Connor is executive director of the USL Players Association, uslplayers.org. That's the uh, soccer league. We're also going to follow it up with uh, Chris Carlo of the Sheet Metal Workers. And we're talking about how different industries and unions handle this very, very sensitive topic. I think you had seen kind of a range of experiences. Uh, we had guys going from 
what I would classify as under minimum wage all the way up through guys in the league that were well into the six figures. Um, so range of things economically, a range of outcomes from medical treatments uh, through how clubs interacted with you. Uh, we, I mean, we saw instances where a club would decide, you know what, you're not a fit anymore. doesn't matter if you have a contract. We're just not going to pay you. Uh, so just a range of things going on. Being a uh, an industry like a lot of uh, physical um, occupations are going to have uh, injuries. And so, yeah, there is some of that. Or there is the... Um, um, uh, the, the the stoic uh, tough guy mentality that that goes on not asking for help uh, rub some dirt on it kind of a thing um, it, but there's also people that are coming into the trade um, that have uh, that have emotional pain that have that have trauma childhood trauma past trauma post traumatic stress disorder coming from the military and other places and that is also another area that people try and um, um, kill that pain. Uh, people don't like pain. I don't like pain. And, uh, you know, having to walk through it in a, uh, in a sober way can be difficult. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people, it's not just the, the, the point I guess I'm trying to make is it's not just the, um, you know, people getting hurt. And because we have that and we have them um, on the opiates and, and they're highly addictive, of course, more uh, and more and more has been, been written and, and spoke about that over the last five, seven years or so. Um, but, but there's more of it that, that comes into it. You know, take a look at uh, the industry and construction where there's a lot of isolation. People are traveling, especially now. And we have mega projects going on all over the country where people will be picking up from their home support systems and they'll be moving for two or three years to a job site where they don't know people, they don't have resources and things like that. And then there's the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. They have a wonderful website to check out, preventconstructionsuicide.com. Real simple, preventconstructionsuicide.com. Sonia Bowman is the executive director and Sonia talks about the multiple factors causing problems and the double-edged sword of the construction workers tough guy mentality well i think it's important really to know that there's no one single factor that drives someone to suicidal ideation but some of the things that we can look at is that the things that we love about our workers in the construction field and that's that strength that determination and that grit are all the things that also on that sort of flip side stop them from asking for help as well. Um, you know, no one in this industry wants to be perceived as soft or weak. Um, and so it's really important that we create caring cultures to be able to build awareness and put protective factors around identifying risks so that we can help our workers seek the help that they need. Jimmy Williams is general president of the Painters and Allied Trades. Jimmy has been president for two years now. And when he started the apprenticeship program back in the 90s, there were about two dozen brothers and sisters in that program. They're not all there today. In our union, especially in the construction trades, we, we suffer from too many people that, you know, um, have either taken their lives because of suicide or have suffered from addiction. I joined the union 26 years ago. And yeah. in, my, in, in my apprenticeship program back in the mid-90s, there was only 25 of us that joined our, our industry. 
And today, I lost six of, of my brothers to either suicide or overdose. Jamie Becker is the Director of Health Promotion for the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America. Let me give you the website. It's lhsfna.org. That's our presenting sponsor, liuna.org. Jamie talked about the difference between physical injury support versus mental health support. And we do often, you know, use the analogy when we're talking about mental health and behavioral health, that if someone did have a physical ailment, they would receive a lot of sympathy, a lot of empathy, and everyone would encourage them to go get treatment and do absolutely everything that they could to help themselves get better. Um, And mental health, we're talking a lot about suicide. We talk a lot about overdoses, and those are all incredibly important issues. Um, Unfortunately, in the construction industry, over 5,000 people die by suicide each year. The industry also has one of the highest rates of overdose deaths. So it is really important that we're talking about these things. However, you also bring up a great point that mental health is on a continuum. There is a lot between mentally well, mentally healthy, if you will, and then feeling like suicide might be the only option or the last option to end the amount of pain that someone is feeling, that someone is experiencing, that someone truly legitimately believes they might be causing other people. Um, You know, same with substance use disorder. No one starts off saying, I want to be addicted to drugs. Um, You know, I, I, I want to lose my job. I want to off my family and all of my friends and i want to be homeless on any given day in america 17 veterans people who served our country die from suicide henry howard is deputy director of communications for the american legion he talked about their be the one campaign and how they are fighting suicide among vets in america today it can be anything from you know, PST, uh, PTSD that they suffered um, during combat or, or even non-combat roles. Most roles are non-combat, um, but losing a battle buddy or just experiencing, um, you know, deployment and, you know, maybe injuries. There, there have been, you know, veterans we've encountered who never saw deployment, but had a life-changing injury from training or or whatever during their time and and as they transition back if they've lost the ability to work you know that you know work is um as a civilian you know that that takes a toll that um you know leaves them maybe on the couch and then they can spiral downward from there um and it's you know one thing that's been eye-opening to me is that it's not just those returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. There are Vietnam veterans who have been dealing with, you know, the issues that they've suffered for half a century now, and they're losing their battle buddies um, daily. And so, you know, they may be alone and they may, you know, have those dark thoughts, you know, may be compounded because they're losing their friends now. And let's go back to Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas and how the trades help develop her work 
in this field. And it was at that time that we started to do that research and find like, oh my gosh, the people who are dying are working age men and they're not accessing mental health care and they're dying on first attempt. Where do we find them? They're out of the education system. We find them at work. And that was kind of this aha moment of a gap-filling place that the workplace is the most cross-cutting system we have to get these most at-risk people. And so we started to row in that space, and we developed programs and strategies and talks and all this stuff, but we really couldn't get a lot of traction until we started to get a couple of um, clients in the area of construction and first responder work. And then things started to click. We saw people getting great results um, because they had uh, untapped issues. You know, they had gaps that were needing to be met about how to change this conversation, how to get people who are so tough, uh, so stoic and self-reliant to raise their hand and say, I need help. How do we get them to help each other? How do we make sure that their resources meet their needs? How do we change culture? Like these are big issues that a lot of these you know, male-dominated fields were having a really tough time doing. So once we got the case studies and then we had the data that showed that male-dominated industries, in particular construction and extraction and transportation and manufacturing, um, all had significantly elevated suicide risks. And now we know also elevated overdose risks. Um, there was a, a hunger for answers. Uh, and that is really where the things have uh, taken off. And then there's Roy Liggett, a longtime pilot now working with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Airline Division. Well, just like the general population, pilots can have mental health and substance abuse issues. But when they try to get help, well, their career can change in a heartbeat. Most of the major air carriers now have uh, pilot mental health programs in place. And... Um, they're very, very effective. Um, they don't uh, treat uh, the, the uh, health, mental health problem uh, directly, but what they do is they find resources for somebody who, for example, doesn't know quite where to turn. And you have to keep in mind, for pilots going down to the nearest strip mall where there's a, a doctor and checking in and saying, hey, I've, had, you know, I've been having depression and all this, this can be career-ending. Uh, you have to have somebody who not only knows that subject, but also knows and understands the ins and outs of the Federal Aviation Administration. So, um, for example, if you can just put the wrong code down when you're coding for the insurance company, and the guy may or gal at that point may be out of work for a year just because of that alone. So you have to have somebody who's intimately familiar not only with mental health problems but also with how the FAA operates. So what are the different methods organizations and unions are using to get help to their members? We'll talk about that next right here on America's Workforce. Back in a few. Don't go away. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. 
That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. It's crazy. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be replaced by machines. So the jig is up, AMPTP. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's go. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Real simple, AWF Union Podcast. Once again, you're listening to a special edition of America's Workforce on Suicide Prevention. We're wrapping up Suicide Prevention Month. We featured a number of experts in their field on the shows this month, and today we're bundling them all in one. We're going to start off this segment with Henry Howard of the American Legion. And in this segment, we're talking about the different methods that organizations are using to get their members help. With Henry, we're finding the conversation that resonates with veterans. Finding ways that they can find whatever that connection is, you know, for some of them, it could be more of a fitness thing, running, hiking, walking, um, cycling. It could be art therapy. It could be, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits out there who take veterans on um, wildlife trips for hunting or fishing, climbing mountains, um, rafting down the, the Grand Canyon. Um you know, so it's just being able to to help that veteran find that outlet that's going to help them alleviate their PTSD. And let's go back to Connor Tobin. Connor talks about how On Rise has helped give players a simple way to find the support they need and how that program works. This is about people. It goes beyond the job. It goes beyond money. This is about how do we improve experiences for players. We cover 36 different markets across the United States. Players are always traveling. Um, don't always have time to find a local provider and schedule a visit and get in. Whereas, you know, because it's telehealth, you can schedule an appointment, call in, and you can do that while you're on the move. Now, Onrise is structured in a way where they have player care specialists that will kind of deal with inbound uh, inquiries or needs. Um, so it's someone that you can always reach out and talk to. They have the ability and are trained to 
I guess, elevate cases at, on like a need base. So, hey, do we need licensed clinical therapists for this? Well, we can set that up and get you to on uh, reoccurring care. Um, now, if something is acute enough, they actually have licensed clinical psychologists uh, where if you need psychiatric care, they can go down that path. So it, it's a full range of mental health care services. But the way it's structured is you kind of have that uh, player care specialist that's really that first piece um, and a lot of times guys just need someone to talk to. So it, it can be yeah. solved just by knowing someone's there and someone's willing to listen. And then there's the importance of peer support. Dr. Sally is leading the way in this field. But here's the good news, and here is why I love working with the unions. You already have this value of we've got each other's back. We look out for each other. We advocate for each other's well-being. This is the core of who we are. And that works so well when it comes to promoting well-being. Because Mm -hmm. maybe I don't need to learn this about for myself, you might think, but I want to learn how to do it because I want to help somebody else. Well, guess what? As you're learning about things to help someone else, you've got to learn about things to help yourself. Uh, So it's, it's a great way. It's a great door that gets opened, and we have just seen so much hunger, but also enthusiasm, especially for some of our folks that have lived through these things. They're in long-term recovery from alcoholism. They're, they have had trauma in their life. They have had a suicide attempt. They are in a place in their recovery now where it's all about making meaning. They want to give back, and they want to help the next person who's suffering to suffer less than they did, and they, learn, they, they share their life lessons. And they're not acting as counselors. They're not acting as therapists. They're just walking along a path um, with someone else who's, so they're not so alone. And it's some of the most inspiring work I have ever, ever been able to do. And Chris Carlo, same subject, peer support. The early intervention, the understanding the benefits, and the follow-up, that's the core of our, our peer mentoring. And we've been doing it uh, nationwide, uh, local by local, uh, since, uh, I, I would say, since the, the right the year before the pandemic. And so we did get, uh, we were doing a lot of uh, awareness training, um, but the pivot came in uh, 2019. And so we started to really connect in a lot with our members in building this peer network empathy is feeling with people and so it, it's uh it's and i don't even know what to tell you right now but i'm just glad you told me and i'm yeah. and i here to walk with you you know and i think that that kind of that kind of interaction is so important and and the people that are raising their hand to be a part of this most of the time they they're there man they get it then and they might have already been doing some of this kind of work um outside of the the um you know their their union work environment Let's go back to Jamie Becker, Jamie, Director of Health Promotion for the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America, on the building blocks for their support program and the flexibility that they have with their mental health programs. It's to create awareness, to create education, to help the folks out in the field at all levels, including leadership, including membership, understand just what's going around, going on around these different issues. Um, so we're doing that in a number of different ways. And then where we're really seeing a lot of the good work happening in the rubber meeting the road is on a local level. Um, so right now, we've got a National Mental Health Addiction Committee. It's made up of different representatives from each of the nine Leona regions. 
And then from there, we've got a lot of efforts getting pushed out to our district councils, to our training centers, to the local unions. Um, And like you said, there could be a big difference between the New England region uh, in Texas and our Pacific Southwest or our Midwest region. And we're seeing a lot of different efforts go on based on kind of who the players are in those local areas, who the local champions are, how different members are being impacted by different things. Uh, so like you said, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's, there's a little bit of everything going on across the country and Canada based on a lot of individual characteristics and local levelers levers that are being pulled and then the helping hands program jimmy williams from the painters and allied trades why their employee assistant program stands out in the crowd so yeah in our union we have a program called the helping hands program which is designed to take away the stigma that exists in today's workforce for people that suffer from either mental health issues or struggle with addiction And they're both interrelated. So in our union, we hired what is, I believe, the only um, full-time employee assistance program um, professional in the building trade. His name is Chris Scheidlon. And and Chris runs our international program called Helping Hands, which is designed to, to, you know, help our members through these issues, which in the construction industry – our, our members are more prone to suicide, mental health issues, and addiction issues, and they're all interrelated. Alex Jacoby is the director of the Member Assistance Program with the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers, one of the many unions on the forefront of this issue. And she says what we're talking about requires input from everyone to create an all-hands-on-deck approach. So um, one of the things I mentioned earlier, I was thinking about this, uh, that I worked for an insurance company doing something kind of similar, uh, care coordination, uh, behavioral health care coordination, as to what we do now at the bricklayers. And what had happened was they were initially outsourcing their behavioral health services to a vendor, and at some point they decided it was strategically more beneficial to bring that bring that department in-house. So they eliminated the vendor uh, and transitioned everyone that was working for the vendor and brought them in-house because that was how they were going to have more of an impact, a better uh, ability to produce favorable outcomes for mental health and wellness amongst their insurance holders, their their, uh, policy members. Mm -hmm. So um, I think about that a lot in terms of what the bricklayers do because This is definitely not to um, say anything negative about anybody that is outsourcing their MAP services or uh, just any sort of uh, programs or training to vendors. But having our department in-house allows us a lot of leverage and access that we might not otherwise have. Um, So, you know, relationships with our collective bargaining department, the ability to advise on policies and programs, uh, language that best protect and look out for members' well-being, their mental health, what to do in a crisis, uh, things like that. And to be able to work very closely with our leadership in a way that allows us to be really proactive about the kinds of acute 
issues that come up as they arise. Um, the Members Assistance Program has been around for 25 years. It's actually pretty incredible. I give our leadership so much credit uh, for their foresight. Um, you know, it's kind of a sexy topic currently, but it's certainly mental illness, suicidality is certainly nothing new, especially within our industry. And in having that, uh, that those relationships and that connection, we have the ability to respond proactively to, you know, whatever sorts of issues are uh, really, really currently threatening to the well-being uh, of our membership. So to be able to kind of rally folks to have that access, to be able to attend our executive council meetings, our local leaders meetings, our regional meetings, uh, to have partnerships and relationships with each of our locals around the country and Canada, um, all of that really, really empowers us to be able to be true engines of change in the realm of uh, mental health and well-being for members and to inform, to, to provide trainings, to promote awareness campaigns, to strategize, to really just uh, include everyone in the process of promoting a cultural shift as it pertains to how the construction industry uh, approaches mental health and well-being. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, some of the main takeaways of the shows we did this month right here on America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. 
Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. When you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, where you can find more at ulagency.org. Once again, you're listening to a special edition of America's Workforce. It's Suicide Prevention Month, and the month is almost over, and what we're doing is featuring the various voices we had on the show talking about this subject. We're going to start off this segment with Dr. Sally, talk about peer network building and why it has been the method with the most success in the trades. Peer support is a really powerful opportunity within the unions. It's already connected to that core value of we look out for each other, we care about each other, the brothers and sisterhood, it matters greatly. It's the essence of who you are. Um, You can build formal peer support programs, and this is what we're seeing as the wave of the future that is definitely the gap-filling thing that we need in this chain of survival. Peers have equal status. So there's not like an authority figure that people are worried about. Is this going to impact my career or something that could give me, you know, opportunities because of this. Peers have equal status and they also have shared lived experience. So maybe they haven't gone through the exact same thing you've gone through, but they've gone through something similar. You know, maybe they've had a breakup and you're going through a divorce or maybe they've had a loss or a health care. They have some kind of shared life challenge or experience with a mental health condition. So that connection is profound for people. You know, and when we ask people, like, what's their likelihood of going to mental health services? You know, sometimes there's hesitation about time and money and are people going to understand me and is this really going to be helpful? But when it comes to a peer, like someone who's like me, but maybe a few steps ahead of me on the path of recovery, that seems like a pretty trustworthy person. So when we are developing these peer support programs, We look to recruit people that have maybe a natural inclination for listening and supporting people. They have that lived experience and they're well in well in the journey of their recovery. They've been at it for a while. They know a thing or two about the resources out there and they're trustworthy with their peers. And then we train them. We train them on what the boundaries of peer support are. Uh, how to understand the resources in a more deep way if they haven't already um, tried them out themselves. We talk about how to listen well, how to engage people in these difficult conversations, and know how to be a warm bridge into a next level of care if someone's in crisis or needs more formalized support. And how about the resources? Jamie Becker talks about the 988 number and even more that's available. So, you know, first, I'm, I, I hopefully this isn't a shameless plug, right? But I'm here on behalf of the Laborers Health and Safety Fund of North America. I am super proud and honored to work on behalf of an organization that really takes mental health of members, their families, and the employers really seriously. So we've worked really hard to put together a number of different resources through the Health and Safety Fund. You've given the website address. We've got lots of social media channels and outlets as well. If folks were to go onto our website, we've got a suicide prevention resource page. On that page, we've got newsletter articles, we've got publications, we've got YouTube videos, we've got posters. And I would also encourage when people are on that page that they would sign up to receive newsletters, they would sign up to be able to order publications. Um, As I mentioned also, the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention 
has a number of resources as well. They've got toolbox talks. They've got some really great employer-specific resources where an employer can kind of do an assessment of what they've got going on in their organization, what currently exists, where do they want to be, what else do they still need to be doing. Um, and then, as we mentioned, there is the 988 National Suicide Hotline. There are also resources through SAMHSA. There's a disaster distress line. There is a recovery support line. I would also encourage that folks would check with their individual health and welfare funds to find out what resources might be available there. A member assistance program, an employee assistance program, as I heard you mention, uh, especially unionized labor has really good, strong health care. Most of the time, there's going to be benefits for mental health, mm -hmm. uh, for substance use disorders. So I would encourage that. I would also really and truly encourage that if someone is in a position to work with others, be it a steward, a foreman, the owner of a company, a district council business manager, um, really and truly, any one of us should have some of these resources that apply to our workforce and our coworkers at our fingertips. Do the homework beforehand so that when we are talking about these issues, if someone were to come forward and say, I need help, we don't have to then scramble to figure out where they get that help. Because usually if someone's going to ask for it, they want it right then and there in that moment. And as well, they should be able to get it. And Sonia Bowman on the importance of proper conversations and reporting around suicide and mental health. Whether we're having a conversation on the soccer field, whether we're having a conversation in a business meeting, whether it's the media talking about it, it's really important that we are not sensationalizing the topic. And it's really important that we're using destigmatizing, compassionate language around suicide. One of the things that is a change in the way that we speak about suicide is that we refrain from using the term commit. It's really important that we are taking that term out of our vocabulary and choosing to say things like died by suicide. Commit has lots of connotations that make us think of crime or a sin or anything else that may be negative around that word. Uh, so being able to remove that term from the conversation allows us to have um, a better opportunity to, to broach the subject of suicide in a more destigmatizing, familiar, comfortable way. Um, it's a hard conversation to have no matter what. But when we choose appropriate language, it creates less barriers to the conversation. We're really lucky that there are people out there talking about it. Um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention speaks about it on a regular basis. There are news agencies that simply follow it as a course of action. But not enough people know about it. And not enough people know that it's important to remove that first-person narrative from talking about mental health or a mental health diagnosis. So instead of saying that person is bipolar, you would say they have bipolar disorder. Um, or, you know, you would, you would just kind of remove the, 
the stigmatization. We refrain from words like weak or selfish. We don't talk about method. Um, And I think that's really where when you talk about Robin Williams or um, Anthony Bourdain or anyone else that is famous that has died by suicide and you talk about the contagions that you mentioned, the more we desensationalize the conversation and really focus on how we can provide help um, and how we can prevent suicide, uh, the more that we are able to change that narrative and really focus on the tools that people need versus making a um, a media uh, kind of splash about someone's Pete Almini has been a member of the Heat and Frost Insulators for four decades and now oversees their Labor Management Trust. Pete and his team created a very creative way to address mental health and thoughts of suicide. Uh, It's poker chips, and uh, it has basic information, contact information on one side. On the other side, it has has the dial 988. And that's important. Everyone knows what 911 does. Well, now our government was able to set up, and Canada as well, 988. And for anyone that has some unpleasant thoughts uh, or just can't handle life and it takes it to a level that they need help, all anybody has to do is dial 988. And it's thank God it's out there. And I, mm-hmm. recently I was at a uh, job fair and I'm handing out the, uh, these poker chips and I try to give two to everybody. And they look at me, why take two? I said, well, do me a favor. Help me spread the word. Keep one chip for yourself and your family. Just put it in the house someplace. Let, let every one of your members of your family see it and make sure they know where 988 is. And also take the other chip and give it to somebody else and, and pay it forward. And let's, let's spread the word out about uh, there, there are ways to prevent people from committing suicide. And the other program I'm, I'm excited about, it's, it's with our members. It's called the uh, Installators Member Assistance Program. Uh, every member of our organization, about 25,000 members, ha- will have um, support in, in any type of mental, mental health capacity. And I don't want to say mental health because that kind of like scares people, but there, there's a lot of things that go on in everybody's life. There could be depression and this, this could be addiction to substance abuse, uh, whether it be alcohol or whether it be drugs and whether it be uh, unprescribed drugs or illegal drugs or even could be prescribed drugs. There are so many things that we need help with. And it's nothing that's talked about. And we have to be able to provide information and not just information, but also assistance to be able to help our members. And we have a program where any member can can make the contacts and it's 100% confidential. Uh, The employer doesn't know that they're reaching out. The union officers don't know that they're reaching out. Nobody does. And it, it's a great program that we were able to put together to service our members. But be able to have have assistance to be able to help 
whether it be our members or whether it be outside of our union, you know, we're, we're trying to do our best to be able to spread the word out about prevention and suicide. Pre- uh, construction offers the highest rate of, or the, the, the occupation that has the highest rate of suicide in this country. And it's something that we have to change. In closing, I want to thank BMA Media and my producer, Kelsey Coyne, for arranging all the guests we feature this month on what has been and will remain a difficult topic to cover. But you know what? It has to be covered. I hope that what we presented was informative and at the same time comforting. I'm sure those of you listening had a moment in your life when someone you love took his or her life. And the first thing that came to mind was, why? Why would someone find a permanent solution to what is more than likely a temporary problem? And I say temporary because there's help, a lot of it, available. They can stop thoughts of suicide. You know, what really got me in doing these interviews was the fact that time is of the essence when someone thinks of taking his or her life. And when it happens, we're talking 10 minutes, 10 minutes from a thought to action. Pretty scary. In 1984, a dear friend of mine took his own life. He was a Vietnam vet. I remember many nights when he cried to me about what happened there and then coming home and the way America treated those vets. He was hurting. Finally, he met someone he truly loved, and we all thought he was finally on a better path. Boy, were we wrong. To this day, I carry his holy card in my wallet, hoping and praying he's at peace because he certainly was not at peace here. You know, the 988 number is a first step, but what I learned in this series, it's just that. Thoughts of taking your own life run deep and that human contact is so important, which is where unions come in. You know, we are a brotherhood and a sisterhood. We work together for better wages, better benefits, a better life. The key word there is life. We can and we should work together to help those in need so they can live life to the fullest. Sadly, one's mental health can be easily concealed, which is why we need to be cognizant of those around us. Awareness is key. Pay attention and take advantage of the programs your union has to help your brother or sister before it's too late. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.